The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. I don't know uh, if Nolan Ryan's more known for his achievements or his fight, <laughs> uh, but if y'all remember, some of you weren't even born then, <clears throat> when Nolan Ryan struck uh, number 5,000, y'all remember who was batting? It was Ricky Henderson. And Ricky Henderson was a great uh, base dealer. He was a great ball player. They interviewed Ricky Henderson after the game, and he said, Nolan Ryan ain't great. <laughs> I thought you were the <laughs> – well, what an idiot, you know. <laughs> uh, <coughs> of course, he was upset because he struck out twice in that game. Uh, but if you notice the heading, and we're going to be over in First John again, the – it said, uh, Nolan Ryan, the legend. And uh, thinking about it, if you knew Nolan Ryan, he, he played from 1966 to 1993. He played 27 years. Uh, his first year in the league, he struck out six. His last year in the league, 1993, he was 46 years old, and he struck out 46. And those are the two lowest years he ever had. All the other years, he was up over 100, a few years, several years in the three or 400 strikeout range. And uh, all of those things, he, he had 5,714 strikeouts in his career. He had seven career no-hitters. Uh, so what made him so great? The, I think the, the thing that folks remember most about the fight is, is here's a, a young man in his prime, uh, in Ventura, and here's a, a, a 45-year-old guy in his fleeting years, and uh, I told, I was looking at different videos, and uh, after that big mass of people, Ventura comes out of the, the, the crowd, and he's walking behind, and he's, he's going, and he keeps looking over there, and and uh, I, in my mind, I'm thinking, he's thinking, how did that old man get the best of me that quick? You know, I mean, uh, it was that quick. And uh, he, I don't know that he ever even got a punch in. So uh, he got hit with a baseball and then hit with uh, several other punches. But uh, for whatever reason, you say Nolan Ryan, the legend, what really makes him great was that he developed his position constantly. And you can go back and watch interviews. Of course, he's still alive, and he still uh, does some things. You see him on TV occasionally. But you can go back, and uh, you can talk to coaches. You can talk to players. You can talk to he himself. And he will tell you the reason that he was able to pitch so many years. And while he was pitching, there was no pitch counts. Uh, he's made some comments about pitch counts, and uh, uh, he, he just pitched. He pitched till the game was over. He pitched till the coach pulled him out. But they say he had proper mechanics, the way he threw the ball, the way he delivered the ball. His mechanics were, were great, and that's why he was able to do that. All of them talk about his work ethic. He was there early. He worked out. He, he continued uh, through his career, 
And even today, he's still in great shape. He, he continued working to develop himself, to, to develop uh, his strategy. He changed as he got older in his pitching strategy. But, but all through his life, and uh, the, the, the way he was able to pitch at such an old age, and, and 46 may not be old, but in uh, baseball, it's very old. And the way he was able to do that was through a lifetime of developing uh, his muscles, developing his skills, uh, going through this regiment, and, and building up uh, the things about his talent, about who he was, and how he was able to perform. Uh, so this morning in 1 John chapter 2, John's been talking about uh, how, we, how we know that we're saved. And that's what we've talked about the last couple of weeks, how, how we can know we're saved. And, and we talked about last week making it to the, making it to the show, making it to the, to the big leagues. And, and we kind of tie that together with salvation. Once we're born again, once we've received, uh, received Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, then we've made it to that point of salvation. We, we've joined God's family, we've joined God's team, and we're there, and, and we need to move on from that. And and that's what John's talking about. He's, he's established what it is to be saved. He's covered those things. <clears throat> and now he begins to talk about how we can progress in our faith, how we can develop our position in Christ, how we can continue to grow in Christ. And for far, far too many, the seem, they seem to think that salvation is the goal. You know, we're going to be saved and that's the goal. But salvation is not the destination. It's, it's the beginning of a lifetime journey. And, and so we need to think about that. And, and uh, when, we, when we begin to think about that, I, I thought about Nolan Ryan when he started playing baseball at whatever age he was. And when he moved to that first team in 1966 and he had that first year and he, he struck out six, I, I'm sure he never really thought about what's going to be my career. Am, am I going to be the all-time strikeout leader? Am I, am I going to have seven no-hitters? He, you notice he said you never think about that entering into the game. But, but through those years and, and through that work, he began to develop and he began to come more and more what a baseball player needed to be. And, and it was a, a lifetime journey. So when we think about spiritually and the fact the New Testament brings this ideal of growing in Christ, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, this is the New Living Translation. So it's it a little different. It says this, listen to this, let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. And that's talking about salvation. That's talking about how we receive Christ and, and those basic teachings of salvation. And let us go, instead, go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repeating from, of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. So, so what the writer of Hebrews is saying, you know, we, we go over the basic teachings, and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about spring training and getting back to the basics. And, and once we understand those basics, then, then we need to move on from that. And that's what John is teaching. The Bible clearly states that the, the goal of, of, of Christ uh, and of His coming is not merely to bring people to salvation, but for people to mature uh, in their walk with Christ. And, and that's, like I say, that's a lifelong journey. And, and when we think about that, we may feel sometimes like this uh, Amy Carmichael, she was a, a writer, and we may think about what other Christians have done, and we may look at other legends in Christianity 
Billy Graham or someone like that or even folks today in the local church that we look at and we say, you know, how could I ever be like that? And we may become a little despondent when we begin to look at, at giants that we feel like are, are in the Christian life. And, and this writer of the song says, I feel that I shall never be like that. But we forget that they won through step by step, little acts of will, little denials of self, little inward victories, by faithfulness in very little things, they became what they are. No one sees those little hidden steps. They only see the accomplishments. And you know, I was thinking about uh, uh, great athletes. They, they work behind the scenes. We see them on game day. And because we see them on game day, we say, man, they're great players. But behind the scenes, they're working day after day and hour after hour, and they're, they're continuing to develop who they are. So when they show up on game day, folks look at them and say, well, look at that great athlete, look at that great person. Well, spiritually... The same is true for us in our men's study. We talked about integrity and and character and how do we build that. And we build integrity and we build character through doing all the little things day after day after day. And spiritually, for us to be a spiritual giant, for us to be where John is talking about us getting, when we start taking care of those little things, those, those little hidden things that no one sees, those, those daily accomplishments, those little inward victories of faithfulness, those little demands of self, those, those little acts of faith and, and little acts of our will, what we're doing during that time, we're developing our position, we're developing who we are in Christ. And then when we show up in a situation where where there's a tragedy, we show up in a situation where someone needs an encouraging word because of all of those work and all of those little things that we've done behind the scenes, all of a sudden God speaks to us and He uses us in those situations. And that's how we get to that point. So John turns his attention from tests to determine who is saved, and we talked about that last week, and John laid out these ideals that we can ask ourselves, we can see, and he said this, we can know for sure. He said, I've written these things that you may know that you have eternal life. So he turns from that knowing, and he begins to encourage us to grow in this church that he's in. He's encouraged to grow. So First John chapter 2, starting in verse 12, John says, I write you, little children, because your sins are forgiven... You for his name's sake. <clears throat> Let me read that again because I put the I stopped in the wrong place. Because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write you fathers, because you have known him from the beginning. And I write you young men because you have overcome the wicked one, and I write you little children because you have known the Father. Verse fourteen. And I have written you fathers because you have known him from the beginning. And I have written you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. Verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world uh, is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. And then when we look at this, there's three things here. And I'm going to, I'm going to just give you the first point today. And I hate to do that, but I'm looking at that clock back there and I realize I'm not going to be able to get through all of this. And I don't want to just rush through it. 
So uh, as we're thinking about developing our position, John, John lays out about three things. He gives us something to remember, something for us to resist, and reasons to resist those things. So he lays out these things. And remember, he's talking to a church that had false teachers in it. There were some divisions in the church. And, and John is, is teaching. Now, what I want you to get to start off with is if you are a born-again Christian, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, we need to rejoice in that, and we need to move on from that. In other words, we don't need to revisit every week, well, am I really saved? Have I really made a profession of faith? Because it's a simple thing that John lays out for us. He, if we accept Jesus Christ, if we realize that we're a sinner and we need a Savior and we've asked God to forgive us and we've asked Christ to come into our heart and, and we're living for Christ, and, then we need to be able to move on from that. And he's encouraging this church, you're a Christian. That's why he's been covering this so often. He, he wants them to understand if you've accepted Christ and there's some false teachers and there's some things going on in this church that, that folks wouldn't understand. I'm talking about the church that John's writing here. There may be some confusion. So he, he lays it out and says, hey, here's what it looks like to be saved. Then today he says this, I have some things now that we've settled that issue. We're going to move on from that. And, and they had to be encouraged by this. And the first thing he says is, is remember to grow. Remember to grow. Verses 12, 14, I write these, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for, for his name's sake. I write you fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write you young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. And I write you little children, because you have known the father. I've written you, fathers, because you have known him from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. So John begins by talking to three different groups of individuals. He, he talks to little children, young men, and fathers. The question here, were these words directed at three age groups or were they directed at Three spiritual stages. And I think if we think about that, I think we can really understand, and I believe that he's talking about three spiritual stages. Because if you read the Bible, it talks about those who are children in Christ, those who are surviving on the milk of the Word. And, and Paul talks about that, and he talks about to this church at Ephesus, you're on the milk of the Word, and you should be in the meat of the Word. So as John writes these things, I believe he's talking about three groups of people within the church. He's talking about those, those babies in Christ. He's talking about those who are a little more mature in Christ in these young men. And he's talking about those who have matured in Christ that are continuing to... to mature in Christ as fathers. And really, remember that the gender thing during this time, it's always the masculine gender. So, you know, when we read something and it's talking about little children, young men, and fathers, it's talking about either sex. It's just using that, that, that masculine gender because that's what they did then. That's how the Bible is written in those things. So, so these categories and, and these, these things that are taking a place here, uh, to, to think about what, what John is saying, uh, women in the church could be a father in the sense of spiritual maturity because the, the Bible talks about the father and the maturity. And, and so when we read those things, uh, somebody that's 60 or 70 years old, they could be a baby in Christ. I, some of y'all may or may not remember, remember several years ago, uh, I baptized a guy up here and he was, a, he was an elderly man. 
I don't want to say an old man because you get into that age, you know, and I'm not sure, but, but uh, Debbie, I think he was in his late 80s, wasn't he? Maybe even 90. And uh, he, he, was, he was up in years, but he was a baby in Christ. He had just accepted Christ. So, so age has nothing to do with this. It, it's just a, 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 a thing that John is talking about here when he talks about babies in Christ and those who have grown a little in Christ and those who have matured in Christ. And, and I believe that three groups is spiritual infantry, little children. They're, they're, that refers to those who have just been born. Those who are born again in Christ. They're born into God's family and, and they're, they're children. It's great to have children around, isn't it? Our nursery is full of babies and, and little children. I, I just love that. That's great to see. And, and we've done some work in there to make room. And, and uh, just to go back there, I went back there last week, and there was a, a room full of babies. And, uh, boy, there was none of them were crying. And that's why I went in there. I thought none of them were here because it was so quiet, and they were all playing, and, and the ladies the ladies keeping nursery were the only ones that were teared up. And I think that was because there were so many. But... but it's great to have children. It's great to have, have children in the church. And, and for us spiritually, it's great to have spiritual children in the church. What that means is, that means our church is reaching those who are lost. So it's great to have babes in Christ, but it's a tragedy for them not to grow, isn't it? I've said this before. If we have a, a newborn baby, and, and Colton and Katie probably has the youngest child here, and how old is, what, She's two months old, and, <clears throat> and she's precious, isn't she? And, uh, and I can imagine, I talked to Karen, and, and she's getting all of these fineries, and she's getting all dolled up. She's just a little baby doll, and she's precious. But in five years, wouldn't it be a tragedy if she was still just a little baby doll? Now, when you're my age, and a lot of us are, we look back at our children and we say, oh, I wish they were babies again. But we don't really wish that because we love to see them grow. We love to see them mature. We love to see them to begin to make decisions in their life. And we love to see them moving forward in their life. So spiritually, it's a tragedy when we're born into the family of God and we never grow. We just remain babies. That's what, that's what Paul was talking about when he said some of you are are living on this, this milk of the Word when you ought to be living on the meat of the Word. So John addresses that, those, those children, remember to grow. And then he addresses that second group, those, those young men, those, those spiritual adolescents. He says to them, you know, this, this generic, just generic term here, it could mean men or uh, young men or young ladies. He, he says that your theology is pretty much in place. In other words, you've begun to grow. You've begun to understand what God wants for you. You've begun to mature and you've begun to live by the truth. So what we see in that is someone that was born again and, and for a while there's growing and they're learning. And then you begin to see them in school or you begin to see them uh, at their job or you begin to see them in their hobbies or you begin to see them out on the week and, and you see them doing some things for Christ. And, and you, you begin to understand that, that they're living by the truth. <coughs> We still strip, we still fall, and we still do some things, but, but you begin to see evidence of their spiritual growth. And then he writes to those, those fathers, those spiritually mature, and, and what he's talking about as he talks about fathers, he's talking about those Christians who have, who have come through the fire. 
They've come through the difficult times in life. They've experienced some tragedies. They've experienced some victories. They've, they've, they've gone through some things where they've, they've prayed for someone and, and God has healed them or they've prayed for someone and, and God, God healed them by taking them on home. And, and through all of those tough times, they're, they're still following God. They've experienced His goodness. They've experienced His grace. And, and because they look back on their life, they realize that, hey, they, through my experiences, I know that God is who He says He is, and I know that He has a place for us. And, and God says those are, those are those spiritual fathers. Those are those who have, who have been tested by the fire, and they've come through, and, and they're still following. You know, sometimes a, when a Christian is a, a babe in Christ, or when a, when a Christian is a, a, a young Christian, a, an adolescent in Christ, and a, a tragedy comes, or something comes, and you lose a job, or something comes, and some tragedy happens and and so often they they say god where were you in this and and we and they they turn from god and they begin to go another direction and somebody says hey we've been missing you and they say well i just don't understand where god was in the midst of this and and i needed this to happen and i was trying to do these things and this went ahead and happened in the midst of the fire they turned away and, and that's okay if that happens, but at some point, what we call revival, what we call coming back to God, God's Holy Spirit continues to convict them, and at some point, they come back to the faith, and, and maybe they say, okay, I, I understand, and, and, and what happened then, maybe, maybe I'll not understand all the reasons, but, but I know God is still there. And so, in all of those areas of life, when, when those things happen, some of those in spiritual adolescence, they go through that, and, and boy, it's tough, and we question God, why did this happen, and why did things go this way, but, but we hold on to His truth. And, and through all of those tests, we're growing spiritually. And John encourages his readers. He wants, a, wants those that are hearing what he had to say, whatever stage in their Christian life they're in, wherever they're at spiritually, consider what God has done for you. If you're a brand new Christian, consider what God has done for you. He's taken the sins of the world. He's taken your sins and He's, he's placed them upon Jesus Christ and He set you free. If that's all you know spiritually, you know this, you're not bound by sin anymore. You've been set free from sin. Now we're still going to sin, John, address that. We're still going to fall, John, address that. But to understand God has forgiven our sins... And we bear them no more. Isn't that great? We sang that a couple of weeks ago. Praise the Lord. It is well with my soul. God has taken our sins. We've nailed them to the cross and we bear them no more. That's great news today. If that's all we know, then remember what God has done for you. And from that you begin to grow. If you've, if you've gone on through life and you've, you've matured and you've, you've been through the fire, consider all that God has done for you. That's what he's reminding these readers to do. And what John is saying to the new believers, remember that your sins are forgiven. Remember that you're known by God. And knowing that God has forgiven your sins and that, that He's your heavenly Father and He's the foundation of your spiritual life. To those young believers, that's what He's saying. To, to those growing believers, He's saying you have victory over temptation. God has given us that victory. And, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. When we sin, the Bible says we're drawn away what? By our own desires. God's given us the victory. He's given us the new nature. But when we're tempted, we're drawn away. We have the ability to say no. We have the ability to say, okay, I'm being tempted by this, 
And God said, I've given you the victory over that, but we're, we're drawn away by our own desire. So, so John says to you that are, that are growing believers, remember, you have victory over your temptation and, and take the Word and, and grow stronger in the Word. And as we do those little things, <coughs> excuse me, as we, as we overcome those little temptations, you know what we're doing? We're developing our position. We're growing in Christ. We're getting better <coughs> in our relationship with Christ. And to the mature believer, have you come to the point that your walk, you realize it's simply about knowing God better? <coughs> you know, the longer you're married, the more you learn your spouse, don't you? I mean, when you first, first get married, you're learning things and you're, you're getting off. And, and you may have been married 40 years and you learn something new. Uh, and and you're, you're continuing going. But after so many years of marriage, your marriage is mature and you kind of know each other. You kind of, you know what? You kind of start looking like each other. Y'all ever thought about that a little bit? Uh, you, you know, you just, there's just something about you. You kind of act the same. You kind of, you like the same things. You kind of, you've kind of developed that. Well, spiritually that's true too. The more we know God, the more we begin to look like God, the more that we begin to understand this is what God wants for me and, and this is what God's teaching me and this is where God's training me. And, and to the mature believer, to, the, to those that have, grow, that have grown in Christ, Paul says this, just remember, it's simply about knowing God intimately. It's simply about knowing every little thing about God. And you know what? That's a lifetime work. Because we're discovering things. The Bible says we're being made afresh and anew every day like Christ. It doesn't matter where we are. So, so wherever, wherever you are in your, your Christian life, well, God wants to encourage you. God, God wants to, to help you grow more. God wants to help you to be more like Him. He wants to move you from that spiritual baby into that, that adolescent age and, and move you towards maturity. And, and when John begins teaching this, he says this, we need to remember where God has brought us, remember where we've been, and remember what God is doing in our hearts. This morning, I want to ask you just to bow your head. We're going to have a word of prayer, and we're not going to have an invitation this morning. As always, I'm, I'm here, and if God is moving within your heart, I want to invite you to come and, and let's talk together. But, you know, this morning, I, I hope today that you would, you would come to that point of saying, you know what, I'm, I'm born-again Christian. And while I may not understand all the things, I know this, that, that I was lost and I needed a Savior, that I was a sinner and I, I had somebody to pay for my sins, and I asked Jesus Christ to take my sins and to give me forgiveness. I asked Him to come into my heart, and through faith I believe that He did. I want to ask you, if you've got to that point today, you ought to leave here on cloud nine. Because if you remember what John taught, your sins from the past have been forgiven. Your sins for today have been forgiven. And the sins you commit tomorrow will be forgiven. That's what the Bible teaches when we're born again. Now the Bible says confess our sins and he's going he's to forgive us and we're going to be re-energized. We're going to have joy and we talked about the joy of our salvation a couple weeks ago. But know this, when you accept Christ, you're forgiven and you have a, a life eternity, eternally before you. Now, Paul says, does this give us a license to go on sinning? By no means. When, when we're born again, uh, God changes our wanter. And when we're tempted, it, there's a voice there that says, okay, you're going to make a choice here. 
But, but today, I hope you'll nail that down, and you'll leave here saying, you know what? I'm born again. I have life eternal. And then you begin to think about growing in Christ. When those temptations come, those little things daily, day by day, people don't necessarily see, but it's something you pray about, something you go into God's Word, and you begin to learn, you begin to spend some time with God, then you begin to grow, and you, you get in that, that, that young adult stage, and you're... You're growing in Christ, and you're, you're making little improvements every day, and you're working towards that maturity in Christ. Then when you've got that maturity in Christ, you just, you just begin to, to know God in a whole new way. John says that's the goal. The goal's not salvation, but the goal is a spiritual life that we work through our lifetime. That's how legends are made. That's how folks remember us. They may not see all the things that go on behind the scenes, but they see the glory of God shining through us because of our actions. Father, this morning I pray as we just consider who we are in you, Lord, I pray that we'd be able to nail that down, that, that decision that we've made to follow you. Lord, I pray if there's doubt that we'd, just, we'd settle it and we'd put it to rest that we can begin to grow in you. I pray, Father, that we wouldn't just remain spiritual babes, but... Lord, we know that's, that's really tragic, but we would begin to grow in you and we begin to learn in you and how much fun it is for us as parents to see our children grow and mature. And Father, we know that you, as our Heavenly Father, you find joy in seeing your children grow, praising you and worshiping you and following you as you desire to lead us, Lord. Father, I pray this morning that you would take these words, that you'd take the truth of these words, and Father, that we would apply them uh, in our everyday lives, and we wouldn't merely be hearers of the word and, don't, and deceive ourselves, but we would put into practice and be doers of your word. Father, I pray today now as we're dismissed, Father, I pray for the meal that we're about to eat together. I pray that it would nourish our bodies. I pray that you would bless those that have prepared this meal, and uh, in your service, Father, we would be about your business. I pray for our time of fellowship, that we would grow in love, that we would grow with one another, and Father, we know that's a mark of that Christian maturity as we fellowship together, brothers and sisters in Christ, and we grow together, that we'd be more like you, Father. I pray this morning, Lord, as we go from this place, as Satan already is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking that which he could devour, I pray that we would put on the full armor of God, that we'd be prepared to withstand what Satan would trip us up with so that he could accuse us before you, and we'd remember that we have an advocate that lives to defend us before the Father. I pray this week that we would live according to our calling. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. And, Father, now as we're dismissed, I pray that we'd follow you and you'd lead us to where we need to go. In Jesus' name, amen.